mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to be beginning this morning in verse 1. If you'll remember with me, John uh, is the same John who wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote these three baby Johns, and he wrote the book of Revelation. Um, John was probably the youngest of all the disciples, and they couldn't kill him. They were killing the disciples, and they tried lots of things to kill John. And when they couldn't kill him, they banished him to the island of Patmos, where he wrote the book of Revelation. Many believe that then he came back uh, and was a um, pastor at the church in Ephesus. And that's when he wrote the three baby Johns potentially afterwards. So um, John is the only one that mentions the Antichrist. The only one of the letters, really. And he doesn't mention it in the Gospel of John, but he mentions him three times in 1 John. And we're going to see him mention him again here this morning. And he mentions the spirit of Antichrist. And if you remember with me when we closed, and I can just read 324, um, we're looking at purifying our lives becoming sanctified in our mind, will, and emotions, uh, changing our desires, really changing our minds. Remember, we, we, uh, our New Year's message was Romans 12, 1 and 2, where Paul beseeched you. He says to the Roman church, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, considering the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, so you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's the evidence of a changed life. See, uh, Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God in the garden. Uh, they, they, they knew the word of God. They had walked in the garden with God. They were building a relationship with God. And they chose to listen to another voice, the devil, the father of all lies. And they chose to find out what he was talking about. And when they did, they brought about sin into the world. And because of that first Adam, we now all inherit that nature of him where we're born with a sin nature. And when you come back to salvation, you're saying, Lord, I agree with you. And I want to come back into your house. I want to receive the blood of your son, Jesus, which is the only way to come back into his house. And in that, I want to begin to obey you and not be like the old nature that I got from Adam. But I want to be like the new nature that I got from the second Adam, Jesus Christ, 
who died for me and gave himself up for me. So I want to learn to obey perfectly as he did. I want to know your will. I want to grow in your will. I want to go in your will and see other souls come to salvation. And I want to be the evidence of that perfect will of God. So when my mind is being renewed, and my mind is, is really speaking of our mind, will, and emotions. It's speaking of our soul, the middle of us. Because our spirit is made perfect when we believe in the blood of Jesus. Positionally, our spirit is saved. Right? And the penalty of all sin is taken away in that salvation, in that deliverance from the sin nature. But then practically, we have to begin to work on the power of sin and the practice of sin. And so we begin to listen to his instructions, and, he, and we obey him as we're led by the Spirit. We obey him, and he changes who we are. He changes the way we think about things. He changes our worldview. He changes the lies the devil has told us all of our life. And he gives us the truth, and we begin to follow truth, and it's a free will decision. When you hear his instruction, when you hear his word, when you hear the truth, you can say no, as Eve did, as Adam did, or you can choose to say yes. And then as you say yes, he continues to purify you. He continues to sanctify you. And when you don't say yes and you say no, sometimes he will come and chastise you, spank your butt, take you to the spiritual woodshed. And then you say, oh, Lord, I see it. I agree now. Forgive me of my sin. And then he's faithful and just to forgive you and continue to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. See, we're unrighteous. We're unclean. We are sinners. Our old nature is born from the garden and the deception of the devil. And now we come to Jesus and he gives us a new life, a new creation, a new and living way. And in that new and living way, we are choosing to be led by the Holy Spirit. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. And the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence that we're doing that, we should be growing in Christ's likeness. And what is that? Well, the fruit of the Spirit is love. But not the wishy-washy love that the world has that says, oh, I love you, just keep doing whatever you want and go on to hell. See, the love of God came down and he proclaimed the kingdom of God, the truth of God. He was the, he was the true vine of Israel. If you read in, in John, our author, which Jonathan or John means the grace of God. If you read in John 15, verse 1, the nation of Israel had failed miserably to be a witness, to be the evidence of what God's heart was. And Jesus stands right there in front of them in lower Jerusalem where all these grape arbors were, and he says to them, I am the true vine of Israel, and my father is the vine dresser. And he declares to them that he is the true witness, that the nation of Israel had failed. God had planted these grapes. He had planted these vineyards. He had planted the nation of Israel and gave them everything. And they were supposed to be a witness to a living and true God. And when people came by them and came to them and spoke with them, they adopted their gods. They worshiped their gods. They became like them instead of them being a witness to Almighty God. So he finally sent his son, and he said, here's what my real heart is. Here's what love looks like. Here's the evidence of who I am and why I would come and die for you. And they killed him. 
But on the third day, he rose again. And he says, if you believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto salvation, and with the mouth confession is made. Or excuse me, with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 9 and 10. The question is, do you believe? Or do you keep looking to other voices, other places, other schools of higher learning? Do you believe God's word? That's what the question was in the garden. Did God really say? See, because if he's God and he said, and there's going to be a judgment, and there is, then don't we want to know what he says now? Don't we want to know his instruction, his righteousness, his only way to salvation, his name above all names, Jesus Christ, before we give up this physical body? So John has been talking to us about this evidence, about this love. And he, and he said in John 15, 14, if you love me, keep my commandments. So see, most people will say, oh, you're saved by grace. You don't have to do anything else. You said a prayer. Listen to me. Listen to me. If you're truly saved, you'll want to do something else. It's not about you have to. You get privileged to be in the family of God, privileged to be a witness for God, privileged to be transformed into the image of the living God and be like Christ. There's a privilege that is there that is given, but it has to be done according to his gospel, according to his good news, according to his coming. So again, the question is, do you believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, as he said to us in 3.23. And if you do, then love one another. That's where it begins at. That's the first evidence. How will they know us? Well, they'll know us by our love for one another. As a body of Christ, we begin to become like Christ because God is love. Not love is God. God is love. There's a big difference. When you turn it upside downward, then everything that you do that you think is love becomes God. God is love. So we want to find out love by finding out who the character and the nature and the will of God is. That defines love. Not the way we define love today. Not the way the culture defines love. That's underneath the sway of the wicked one. I do promise we'll get to that verse eventually. 1 John 5, 19. That says, I know you are of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of wickedness. See, know that because we're going to have to understand that because one of the enemies of our soul is the world that's underneath the sway of the devil. We have three enemies against our soul. Our flesh, sarks. Sounds kind of evil, doesn't it? Sarks. It's our flesh. It's our, it's our really, it's our mind, will, and emotion. It's the way we think. It's what we want to do. It's the self-life. The devil himself, and then the world that the devil is over right now. He's the prince of the air. He's the God of this age. God is allowing him to do that to test your heart, just like he did with Adam and Eve. He's testing your heart. You know the truth. You believe the truth. You say the truth. And then here comes the devil or one of his 
his demons and they tell you something else and you go, I like that better. It fits my flesh. I like that better. I think I can do that a little bit easier. I like that better. I'm going to go do that. Listen to me. There is absolutely nothing you can do except believe. The word believe is the word in the Greek, pistio. And it means to entrust your spiritual well-being into the finished works of Christ on the cross. I'm adding a little bit. It means to entrust your spiritual well-being into Jesus. But what does that mean? It means his finished works. It means his death, burial, and resurrection. If you're believing in Jesus, you have to believe the whole gospel, not just part of it. You believe the entire testimony of Jesus Christ. So when you believe that, again, positionally saved, but practically now, we're being set apart and God begins to clean us up and make us more like his son. He begins to use our lives for his glory. He begins to send us out with different giftings to go and tell other people to turn in here, to believe in Jesus, and to surrender your life to him. And he says, he who keeps, guards, protects, this is 324, his commandments, that's his authoritative prescription. Whose prescription for life are you going to believe? God's authoritative prescription? The one who spoke and created the heavens and the earth? Are you going to agree with him? Or are you going to agree with somebody else? See, there's only two paths. There's either God or the whole world that's underneath the sway of the wicked one. You're going to believe his authoritative prescription for life or the world's? See, there's a lot of people out there that call themselves Christians, and they're right now believing the world. They're believing the authoritative prescription of the world for life and godliness, and it's going to end bad. It's going to end in hell if they don't turn and repent. So he who keeps, who guards it, his commandments, his authoritative prescription for life abides in him. That makes his home with him. That means you're his child and you're in his house. And he in him. Again, John 15, 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man abides in me and I in him, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Much fruit. Fruit of what? Fruit of love. And love looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against which there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And by this we know, one of John's statements that he makes quite a lot in 1 John, by this we know. What, what, what? But there's some evidence. You can look in the mirror. You can look at your life. You can see where you're going and what you're doing. By this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit, capital S, whom he has given us. See, when you believe in Jesus... The Bible tells us that the Spirit of God comes and dwells in your heart. See, many people play religion. Many people believe in Jesus. Many people say things, and they clean up the outside of their life. They stop going to the bar. They stop hanging out with people who drink, and, and, and they stop smoking and cussing, and they, they put on some nice clothes, and they run to the, to the church, and they hang out in the church on Sundays, and the outside looks clean. But the inside is still the same. The heart is still the same. This is the sanctification of the mind, will, and emotions. See, positionally, your spirit can be saved, fully saved. But practically, 
we're still living the same old inward life. And he wants to sanctify us spirit, soul, and body. And the soul, the mind, will, and emotions, the mind being renewed can only be renewed in the word of God, prayer, and fellowship as we obey God and his word and are led. He changes our desires. He changes our ways. He changes our wants. He changes everything that's going on in our life. And we turn. We're going this direction. We're living our own selfish life. We're chasing the American dream. We think we're okay. And the Holy Spirit comes and convicts us of sin and righteousness and judgment. And we say, I agree, Lord. I believe. I'm going to trust in my heart and, 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 and confess with my mouth. And we turn and we go the very opposite way. Now we start living for God, no longer in the sin nature. Now we mess up, but then we confess it. We, we go, wait a minute, I'm doing this. Oh, and he'll say, wait a minute, where are you going there? You're my child now. And you go, oh, and you turn back around. You're going toward heaven. You're becoming like God. You're learning truth. You're saying, this is not my home. And how do you find it? It's in the word of God. How do we find truth? You think something that's, that's wrong and the word of God turns you back around and says, that's wrong. That's the old nature. That's the old desires. And as you say, I agree, Lord. I agree, Lord. See, you're becoming of the same mind of God. You're becoming of the same desires of God and you're being trained like a little child to be like your father. That's what the Bible does. That's what truth does. But all these other voices are out here. Proverbs tells us saying, turn in here, turn in here. Come follow me. Come do this. And you can be in the church and following some other voice. Where do them other voices come from? They're not the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit is clean, pure, undefiled. The Holy Spirit is God himself. Listen, the Holy Spirit that comes and seals you until the day of redemption is God himself. He's in your heart. He wants to do home makeover, tear down the walls, and rebuild everything about you into his image. Christ-likeness, a suffering servant. But there's a whole lot of other spirits out there, small s. Let's look. It's today's text. Let's see what's going on. 4-1 of 1 John Beloved, this is an enduring term, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that... Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now already is in the world. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would shut down every physical faculty, every noise, every interruption. In fact, Lord, we expect interruption, but we ask you to send your spirit and angels to stop any interruption so that we could hear clearly what you would say to the church today. And that we would not just hear it, Lord, but we would be doers of your word. And we would be equipped to go back out into the world and tell people spiritual truth clearly, without pride, but by the power of your spirit. Wake us up, Lord, that we would be more like your son, Jesus. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Again, 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, do not believe. That's the word pistio again. Do not trust. Do not commit yourself to every spirit. Now, spirit is the word pneuma. You need to know that. And it's the same word for Holy Spirit. It's the same word when you see the spirit of truth, the spirit of God, the spirit of righteousness. When you see spirit, it can be the spirit of righteousness or it can be little s. It can be spirit of a demon. It can be your spirit. It can be a man's spirit. It's, it, it's, it's the life is what it's about. It's the life. Numa. It's the breath of air that's breathed into a life. As God breathed air into Adam, he took the dust. I don't know if you know this, but he took the dust of the ground and he made man. And you can find that in science today, if we would have real science, that there's 17 elements in dirt. And science will tell you that man has 17 elements in them that we're made of. Different quantities of the same, but the same 17 elements. And God breathed into that dirt, and it became a living life. Breath, pneuma in the Greek. That's what we're looking at right now. And see, God created all things. So there's some fallen angels that are also spirits, and they're alive, but they're dead. They're unclean. They're unrighteous. They're unholy. They're following the devil because they're separated from God for eternity. So now they are unclean. And when you come to salvation and the Spirit of God comes in you, your spirit is now married to the Spirit of God, little s to the big S. And then you cry, Abba, Father. It's a spirit of adoption. And when you're adopted in, you become betrothed to Christ as the bride of Christ. And that's what your spirit is doing. But your spirit can also, in your soul, your heart, your mind, will, and emotions, listen to lying spirits that come from the devil, unclean spirits. And listen to me, this is very important because if you're not in the word, prayer, and fellowship, if you're not continually asking the Holy Spirit to change you, to guide you, to lead you, to help you see who God is, then you'll be following another spirit, the spirit of the Antichrist. You'll be following some other something. You're following something and you're telling other people about something. We're all doing something. We're not just standing still like some people like to believe. You're either dying or you're growing. And you can only grow when you're in the Word of God and looking for life. Because this is about life. We serve a God of life. But that God of life is a spirit. He's a living spirit. He's a life-giving spirit. And this is all a spiritual realm, but we have physical bodies. Listen to me. This is very important that you get this. That you are not a body with a spirit, but you're a spirit that right now has a body. Because your spirit is going to live forever. And God just gave you an earthly tent for a moment to choose whether you want to live in heaven or hell. And the way you're going to decide that is whether you agree with what God's word says or what the devil says. God's word is the only way. It's the only name, Jesus Christ, the only name in heaven and earth by which men can be saved from hell's fire. But there's a lot of spirits out there teaching other things. There's a lot of spirits, a lot of people with spirits that listen to spirits, and then they go out and deceive other people with what they heard from a spirit. Got a lot of it going on out there right now. 
called spirit guides. Why would they call them spirit guides? Because there is a Holy Spirit that's supposed to be guiding your life if you believe in Jesus. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. But there's other spirits with the demons, with the devil that he has sent out. And what does he do? Where does he send them out? He sends them to Hollywood. He sends them to Detroit. Is Detroit still Rock City? He sends them to where the music is being made. He sends them to where the movies are being made. He sends them to the book companies that are producing books. He sends those spirits so that they publish the things that are against God. He sends them to the college universities and they publish things and they teach kids and indoctrinate stuff that is not God. It's a spirit that would teach lies, a spirit that would teach evolution and homosexual marriage, that would teach everything about love that is false and never teach about God and Jesus, about the true life that we should live. And when all you're doing is listening to all those voices, you're being controlled on the inside by a spirit of Antichrist. Listen, it's not enough to say a prayer and say, I believe in Jesus. Where's the evidence? Where's the evidence of that prayer? See, the lie has been told that if you say a prayer and you come up to an altar, it's a lie. The life that is being led by the Spirit of God is agreeing with God. And when you disagree with God, that's called sin. It's called missing the mark. What mark? His holy, perfect, true mark. And so what does Jesus do? I'm glad you asked. He come to earth. He took flesh. He dwelt among us. He was born of a virgin who, listen, why? Because, because the sin nature is passed through Adam, not Eve. Adam is the one that God blames for this, not the woman. The woman came from Adam. Adam came from God. Listen to me. So the virgin birth is because the sin nature was not passed through the woman, and God's nature was in Jesus the God-man. You say, well, that's not fair. It's perfectly fair because he did it for you. He died so that you could have his nature, and if you just believe that he died for you, he gives you his nature. He adopts you as a son. He becomes your father. But if you believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth, you're going to have evidence of it. Your life doesn't stay the same. You don't stay in that same direction. You turn around. You say the light has been turned on. And I see that I was living in death. And I'm going towards life now. If you really believe that. It's that simple. That's a real simple thought to understand, isn't it? But the devil hasn't stopped. Because his children are growing also. There's those that are still resisting, rejecting, not believing, not trusting. And then they go out and they teach some other ism. They make up other religions of the synagogue of Satan. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But what do you do? You test the spirits. Let me just show you really quickly that... Um, well, no, I'll just tell you where it's at. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that the angels are called spirits. You with me? 1.7 and 1.14 both say that the angels, not in your New King James Bible, but in the King James, it says, are they not all ministering spirits? New King James, are they not all ministering angels? Ministering spirits. 
See, everything is spiritual. We serve a spiritual God. We have a spiritual kingdom. We, 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 have, we are spirits given a body to decide. And Paul tells us not to regard anything anymore as flesh and blood because we understand that there's a spiritual war going on for your soul. It's fought in the spiritual realm. You and I cannot see the spiritual realm, but we see the evidences of it, don't we? Five police officers killed in 48 hours. We see the evidences of evil. We see death everywhere. We see the evidence of evil. We see the bars and the drugs, and we see the sin. We see the immorality. We see the evidence of evil. What is evil? I'm glad you asked. It's the absence of God. It's the absence of agreeing with God. It's God giving people over to have what they want and not to have Him. It's the absence of God. That's evil. It's pure evil because there's nothing in God that's evil. Jesus in the last night, He said, let's go because the, the Father of this world is coming and He has nothing in me. There's nothing in the people of God that should have fellowship with Beelzebub or with the devil. And again, if you live for God and you're a child of God and you've professed that and you believe that, there should be evidences of that in your life of love. Evidences of serving others. Evidences of giving your life away. Evidences of drawing near to God and saying, I want to be led by your spirit. I want to be like you. Evidence that you've come out of the world. And although we're in the world, we're not of it. But we're going back to be witnesses of his great love. That's all we're here for. The salvation of souls. We're not here to make dreams. We're not here to lay up retirements. We're not here to put our tent stakes in deep. We're not here for none of that. Jesus had no place to lay his head. Jesus didn't even have a house. The foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He was not attached to this world that's going to burn. It's physical. He was a spirit in a body, and he understood that, and he obeyed the Father because of that, because the Spirit was upon him without measure. And I believe the Spirit can be upon us that way, but we still carry this body of sin around with us. See, because that's when your salvation is finished. We talked about this last week, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In a twinkling of an eye, this corruptible will put on incorruption. That's when it's finished. Salvation, or 1 Thessalonians, Thessalonians 1.23, he wants to sanctify his spirit, soul, and body. But until we see him face to face, till the rapture happens or we die, this body is still here. This body of sin, this nature that wants to turn against God. So that's why you have to have your desires changed, your will changed, your mind changed. You have to be renewed in the spirit of your mind so you can become the evidence of what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we have to get this mindset that there's a spiritual realm not physical. See, the church is living only in the physical today. And when I say the church, I don't say emphatically because there's always a church that is awake. There's always a remnant that is still listening and still proclaiming. If they're, if they're all gone, then the restrainer would be gone and all hell would break loose. But we see it breaking. We see it coming. We can see the signs of the times. And we need to wake up and not get caught up 
into what now they're calling, this is what they're calling it, listen, progressive Christianity. You guys heard that term yet? You guys been listening to that term yet? Progressive Christianity? I mean, last year it was, it was the new evangelicism. Now they're calling it progressive Christianity. Why is that important? Because the progressives are the ones leading the government of the Tower of Babel, the government of the devil, and they call themselves progressives, but they're really regressives because they're living in death culture. They're going backward to the garden instead of onward and upward into heaven. And so progressive Christians... They want to adopt that same socialism. And they think that they can adopt that socialism and that way of the world, politically correctness, and that they can share the love of God if they silence the, the, the truth until you get them into the pews and then you tell them about Jesus. But what you end up with is a bunch of dead people sitting in a church. A bunch of dead people sitting in a church that can damage the people that are really there that are alive. Never works. Never works. To silence truth and expect people to live in truth is insanity. It's insanity. So what they want to do is tell you about your sin and you shouldn't cuss, but it's okay to let this person that's transgender or homosexual or whatever they're doing come in the church and don't say nothing about that to them because we want to love them to the body of Christ. The only way you can love somebody is tell them the truth. You tell them the truth in love. There is no other way. Jesus came down and they wanted to kill him. They ended up killing him because he kept telling them the truth in love. I mean, was he really, was he loving and kind and compassionate when he looked at them and said, you're of your father, the devil? Wouldn't you want to know that right now? If you're following the spirit of the devil, wouldn't you want to know that right now? Wait a minute, Greg, you're saying I can be deceived? Yes, you can be deceived because you want to follow what feels good instead of being uncomfortable. You want to fit in instead of know that you don't live here. You're soldiers in the army of the living God. You're not supposed to be entangled with the affairs of this life that you might please him who called you to be a soldier. Well, you're stepping on my toes. Now it's your heart. Because we're not physical anymore. If you want to know about Jesus, you have to let your, your spiritual heart receive spiritual truth and you have to apply it to your spiritual life and it comes out as evidence in your physical walk as you go back out to the world. If not, it's false. If not, it's not real. If not, you are not saved. I'm just telling you, we got to wake up to this lie. That if there's no evidence of change, then you can't tell me that you believe in Jesus because Jesus is so far away from what we're doing. And you can see it all through the Bible. All through the Bible where on the outside they looked like they were really God followers and they were real nice and they were real good. And they, we use nice words until you disagree and then we're going to cut your head off. We use real nice words until you don't agree with what I'm saying. And then their true heart comes out, out of the abundance of the heart. Now they want to cancel you. They want to kill you. They want to get rid of you if you don't do what they say. Really, you're real nice people. But you know what God said for us? That it doesn't matter what you look like in the physical when they say something and don't agree with you, you pray for them. 
your true heart comes out, your true nature comes out, because that's the whole purpose we're here. Jesus came down knowing he was going to die. Jesus came down to everybody that was evil. Jesus came down as love and died for them. He didn't say, whoa, you didn't receive me, I'm done. No, he's long-suffering, he's waiting, he's, he's, he's begging you to come, he's beseeching you to come, he's drawing you near, he's doing everything to bring his banished ones back. But the church today, we only speak to people who want to hear it. And I said this, and I want you to understand this, that the only people that died in the Bible for sharing the gospel was because they were sharing it with people that didn't want to hear it. Listen to me, they were sharing it with people that didn't want to hear it. And then we go out to the world, and they say they don't want to hear it, and we go, okay, I'll go tell somebody that does. Really? How do you love them if you don't tell them the truth? And that's what we want to do with the homosexual, the transgender, those that are set in the pews and they're not married, those that are sexually immoral. They're all the same. They're sinners. But you tell a sinner the error of his way, and you can turn him back to God. But if he doesn't turn... His salvation is fake. If there's no evidence, his salvation isn't real. And it's going to end in death. If there's no heart that wants to listen to instruction and agree with God, it will end wandering somewhere off there while the children of God go home to be with God. It will end in death. The Bible says twice, there's a way that seems right in a man's heart, and in its way is death. Death. You want life or you want death? The only way to have life is to agree with God. There is no other way to have life unless you agree with what God says in His Word. Where am I at? So how do we know what He says in His Word? How do we know if we're listening to the right Spirit? You have to test Him. Oh, you mean we have to do some work? You'll go to your job to get a paycheck and work your butt off physically and you won't find out where you're going to spend eternity now by testing some spirits? Well, how do I test them? How do I try them? How do I examine them? I put them on trial. Are they lining up with this word of God? Oh, you mean I have to read it? Yes, you have to read it. How else will you know who God is? He gives us this great love letter. It's only 66 books by 40 authors, all written by the Holy Spirit. And guess what? You can give me all that mumbo-jumbo about, well, it's messed up. Well, then you might as well go on and eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow you're going to die, because where else are you going to get the truth from? If you can't get it from the Word of God, if he, how could he be God and not, oh, well, that part I messed up. I let them kind of change that. Really? You're God and you let somebody do something to you? Come on, that's a bunch of nonsense. You can search around and grope for him, and you can find him if you really want to find him. He's not hiding. He's an ever-present help in time of need. So you have to begin to read the Word of God. You have to be able to find out what he's doing, what he's done, what he's always done, what he's going to do in the future. He tells us everything in this book. You're like, well, Greg, what about the guy on the cross, the one that was hanging next to Jesus? And he said, today you'll be in paradise. He didn't have to read no Bible. He left that day. That hour. But God would have told him to read something, to do something, to have some evidence that he believed if he would have stayed here. Do you think if they would have took him down, think about this for a minute. Roman soldiers come and go, okay, 
We've given you a pardon. The governor just called, and we're going to take you down from the cross now. We know you got scars in your hands, scars on your feet, but we're going to take you down now since you hung there next to the Son of God and you confessed him as Lord and you rebuked the other guy. We're taking you down now. Do you think he'd have went home and said, Honey, man, that was a hard act. Can you bandage that up and get me a toasted cheese sandwich? I'm kind of hungry. That dude might not have ever ate again until he told everybody he knew about Jesus, that I met him on the cross. Think about it. If you meet Jesus, how are you going to go home and be normal? I'm just telling you. I met Jesus. You know what I did? I got on the telephone and called people I knew in prison. I called the people, I, the staff from prison and said, I got saved. And they made some silly comments like, well, we were saved. Didn't you know we were a Christian, Greg? And I'm like, and the Spirit of God restrained me because I didn't tell them I didn't know they were a Christian. Because they live like heathens. They live like the world. If they were Christians, they got it wrong. Because they never told me about Jesus. So they got it wrong. See, the word confess means to agree. And it also means to profess. So if you agree with God that Jesus is Lord, you're going to go profess it. You're going to go tell other people about it. You're going to go be a witness to it. If your life has changed, you're going to tell somebody because that's the only thing we're supposed to do. What did Jesus come down? He come down, he said, I'm going to die for the sins of the world. I'm not going to see any more. And he shut up the rest of the time he was here. Silent witness. He was making friends. He was influencing people. He never shut up. Even after they crucified him, he got up and spoke for 40 days, speaking of things what pertaining to the kingdom of God. You couldn't shut the guy up because he knew truth. And he knew that people needed truth. But the whole church around here, we're like, we're, we're just being politically correct. We're being, uh, we're being uh, sound in what the church has taught us. And we're not going to say much unless you ask me about him. And if you ask me why I dress like this and I'm nice like this, I'll let you know that it's all because of Jesus who died for me. Some kind of silly, demonic Christianity. That's all it is. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Test the spirits. Are you testing the spirits or you just believe everything you hear? Christians are getting their theology from Christian music. They're getting their theology from the most popular churches on the planet that you can Google and find. Who Listen, if they're friends with the world, they're enemies with God. Well, you mean we aren't allowed to do good? I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But go search out some of these pastors that are real popular. Go search out some of this music that is real popular. It leaves the gospel out. They don't want to be controversial. They want to fill their building up and buy Lear jets. It's not the gospel. It's called culturanity. It's from the Antichrist. Listen, Paul even tells us using this same word about testing. The word test means to discern, to examine, to approve, to put yourself on trial. That's what it means. It means to put yourself on trial. Is there any evidence that I'm a Christian? Is there any evidence that I have the Holy Spirit leading me, guiding me, and changing me? Or am I following some other spirit the spirit of this age that leads culture anity so that we don't offend the world. Listen to this. He says this over in uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Test yourself, try yourself, examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not, do not, 
where is it? Do you not know yourselves? Listen, you know yourselves better than anybody but God. You know your inward thoughts. You know what's going on. God knows them better than you. God knows your heart's intent better than you. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Is the Holy Spirit in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. Listen, but you should put yourself to the test. Every day, why am I getting up? Every day, why am I going? What is the purpose? What's the power? What's the plan? The plan is always for the salvation of souls. It's always in the power of God for the glory of God. It's not my career. It's my calling. It's not my house. It's God's house. It's not physical battle. It's spiritual battle. As Paul tells us over in, Ephes- in the church at Ephesus, where John would later be. Finally, my brethren, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the tricks, the methodia of the devil, the wicked one, the antichrist spirit. For you do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers against a spiritual host of wickedness in high places. What's high places? Come to Friday night Bible study. We're talking about high places. That's where that power's at. That's what the people wouldn't walk away from in, 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 in the Old Testament. They kept going to the high places to worship. And that's where the spirit of Antichrist is at, in the high places. Wherefore, he says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. What's stand mean? It's histomai in the Greek. It means to abide, continue, remain in God's house, in God's love, in God's word, for God's glory, doing his will, going to others for the salvation of souls. And not to be caught up and drug away by every wind of doctrine, every pneuma, every spirit of doctrine, every spirit of the Antichrist, every new thing that comes down, but to stay focused on the truth of God's word and the work that he's given you to do as the child of God in his house. Because there's going to be wages one day. Didn't he tell us this? Didn't he tell us this was coming? Remember, I'll just look at it really quick because I didn't write it down. I was just Matthew 7. Many spirits of Antichrist have gone out. Listen to what Matthew 7. 7.15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Where do we need to be changed at? Inwardly. Listen, they could look like they have a great ministry. They're great pastors. But if they're not being sanctified inwardly, being changed by the word of God inwardly, it's all an outward appearance. It's false. Inwardly, remember the, remember the parable of the tares and the wheat? You guys remember that I do this all the time? Tares and wheat look just alike, right? What's the difference? Real fruit begins, if there's real fruit inwardly, It begins to bow and humble itself. Tares look just like it, but they don't bow because there's no inward fruit. 
They stay in their own esteem. They stay their own self, following their own sin nature. No bowing. It's all about them. It's all about their self-life. When fruit is developed, when inner sanctification is going on, true wheat bows to God, bows to others, lays its life down. Listen, many antichrists. What does he say? Again, Matthew 7. Enter by the narrow gate. Right? For narrow is the gate to life, and few find it. But broad is the gate to destruction, and many go there. Many are following the spirit of Antichrist. Many are following deceiving spirits. Are you testing? Listen, 2411. Then many false prophets, pseudo prophetes is what it is, pseudo, they're fake, will rise up and deceive many. Listen, if many are going to be deceived, are you one of them? Well, I, I said a prayer. Really? I go to church. Really? Is there any inward evidence? Is anything going on that could put you on trial and prove that you're a Christian? Matthew 24, 24, for false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Notice false Christ and false prophets. The Antichrist is coming. The two beasts of Revelation 13. The Antichrist and the false prophet are coming. Both of them joined together. I was thinking about this. Listen, I, I don't know if you guys read the Bible, but I do. And I ponder it and I pray about it and I study on it. And I was thinking about it. Where in the world is, why is there two, two beasts? Why is the, you know, because listen, it only took one Jesus to raise from the grave and save us. But you know where this comes from? The devil don't know the future of what God's doing, but he can read the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, you know what the type was? There was two scapegoats. I'm just putting this together, my fault. Two scapegoats, because they couldn't replicate resurrection in the Old Testament. So what they would do was confess all the sins of the nation on one goat, and then the other goat, they would set it free. And they would follow it and watch it till it went as far as it could, and it was gone free, but they would kill the other one and sacrifice it on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and kill it for the sins of the nation. And all the sin of the nation would be covered by the blood of that one goat. So now the, the, the devil comes thinking that he's going to mimic God, and he brings two. And one of them is going to be promoting the other. But they're both going to have their power from the devil. Whose power are you under? Whose power are you following? Who are you living for? Did I tell you to turn somewhere? Turn over to um, Luke chapter. Oh, not Luke. That's the wrong one. Uh, Luke, yeah, Luke 951. Sorry, I mark a lot of places and then I wait for the Spirit to tell me which one I'm supposed to be turning to. So you might not get that message until next week. Luke 9, 51. Now I want you to see this because I want you to understand that we are those spirits also. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly <laughs> set his face to go to Jerusalem. Of course, talking about Jesus and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of Samaritans 
to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, you might remember this, the sons of thunder, saw this, they said, Lord, now listen, they're following Jesus. They believe he's the Messiah. And they said, Lord, do you want us to call fire down on them from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? And what does Jesus do? He doesn't call them nutcases and basket cases and start screaming and yelling at them and kicking dust at them like I would. He says, but he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. What am I saying? What spirit are you of? That's what I'm saying. Are you testing the spirits? Are you examining your life? What spirit are you of? Are you the spirit of this age? Have you been led astray by culturanity and some church that taught you to do something some other way? Or are you, a, are you being led by the spirit of the Holy Spirit, God himself? Jesus looked right at guys that are following him every day, set him with him, and, and, and said, you don't even know what spirit you are of. Wouldn't it behoove us to know what spirit we are of? Because we do the same thing. We might not want to call fire down. We don't have faith like that. I'm going to call fire down. Really? When's the last time you heard somebody say something like that? But you'll say, we're going to do this, and we're praying against them, and they're heretics. But you won't say, they're heretics. I'm calling fire down on them. Listen, what spirit are we of? Are we of the Holy Spirit? Is there evidence of the, the seed of Christ planted in our heart? Is there fruit growing? Do we, are we concerned about others? Are we growing in love? Are we going in love? Is there any evidence that we have new life? Have we turned from the old life? Are we still the same? Now listen, this is not to condemn. This is to wake us up. You say, well, I just said a prayer. Wake up. Start to clean your life up. Oh, you're going to do it on your own? Don't do it on your own. Ask God. Ask God, what do I do now? You're following, you're being led, you're being discipled. But when you receive the instruction, obey the instruction. Because if you refuse the instruction, you'll go astray. It's easier to follow the culture. It's easier to follow this church, Greg. This church over here, I'm not telling you to follow Greg. I'm telling you to follow God. And if Greg is following God, follow Greg until he's not following God. And then come and rebuke me, just like Jesus just rebuked them. But we can't keep following nonsense. We can't keep following culture. We can't, we can't do this progressive Christianity where they say it's okay to yell and scream at somebody that's against Black Lives Matter, but you can't say a word against somebody who's a transgender. That's upside down. You're picking and choosing which sin to point out. Of course, all lives matter. That's not fair. Well, wait a minute. All genders matter. Why don't all lives matter? See, it doesn't line up. That's because it's earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom. It's not the spirit of God. It's the spirit of this age that's being led away by spirits that are in, involved in the deception that's going on with the devil. And when you rebuke them and they double down, then you say, I don't want anything to do with you. I'm going to dust my feet. I'm going to go follow Jesus. You're following the spirit of this age. You're not following the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. Jesus said, do you know what spirit you are of? What spirit have you been listening to? 
It's easy to listen to the wrong spirit. It's easy to do stuff in the flesh. Here's an amazing thing. I was out. I got this crazy weasel. It's a little black weasel trying to kill. I seen him once, just his tail. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get him now. I can get him. And you know what I did, what my plan was? I stabbed some stakes in the ground where he dug in at. I got this whole chicken house. Listen, this is your spiritual house. I got this whole house, and I got this one sin, and I stabbed some stakes in over there so it doesn't get in. I got this guy. Will you call me and keep me accountable so I won't do that? And then, and I, then I went over here, and I took that off my phone. And, and, and then, and I'm just making all this up. You just follow whatever you want to follow. And here's my chicken house. You know, what the, you know what the weasel did? He just went to another place and dug another hole. See, I want my whole house to be protected. So you know what I did next? I got this guy, this friend of mine. I go, hey, will you sit in my chicken house for like for a while with my gun? And when that weasel comes in, just shoot him. See, I got all kinds of good plans. Just the weasel never showed up when I was watching. See, that's when the devil comes, when you're not watching. So I got all frustrated. The guy left, and, and 20 minutes later, the weasel came. Killed another chicken. See, the devil's a tacticianist. We're in a spiritual war. And you have to put on the armor of God. So I said, okay, that's it. I'm going to put these, and I got these big 18-inch pavers that I had stacked up over here, and I lined them all the way around like a foundation. I lined them all the way around my chicken house, and I said, got him now. He can't get in. You know what the problem was? He got in. You know how? Those stupid sticks that I had stabbed in the ground, my own works, the rock wouldn't go all the way up to cover the foundation, so he dug down in that little bitty two inches and went in there. See, he got in on my own works because that's what's happening with the church today. That's how the devil gets in. You're focused on your sin. You set up your own little plan of what I'm going to do, and you put some sticks in the ground. And even when you decide, no, no, I'm going to get right with God, those sticks are still in the way. You don't remove the root, and you still have the fruit. So you have to get rid of all your works. You have to be dead to self. You have to be buried in the grave, and you put the foundation in place, and you start building like a wise master builder, you start doing it the way God said, not the way the world says, not the way some false teaching told you. Get focused on the Spirit of God and His leading and quit worrying about the sin. It goes away when you start to grow in righteousness, when you stop listening to unclean spirits and listening to yourself. You're your worst enemy. The flesh is your worst enemy, not the devil. Right? Everybody knows the devil's here, right? Everybody knows the world's ready to sway the devil. It's self that chooses to follow the false spirits. It's self that says, I'll be okay if I just do it a little bit. It's self that's your enemy. Self needs to be buried with Jesus. And quit focusing on your plan. There's a perfect plan already in place for salvation. Focus on His plan. His plan. What is his plan for your soul? Well, number one, you want to be aware of false prophets, pseudo-prophets. Those are spirits that will kill you. You know, when Jesus sent out his disciples in Matthew 10, 1, he gave them power over unclean spirits. Where did it come from? The Holy Spirit's our power. He gave us the Holy Spirit, Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes up on you to be witnesses for me throughout Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You have the power, you have the word of God to wash and cleanse you. We have everything we need to keep the weasel out of the chicken house. Needless to say, today I'm going back, I'm going to pull that rock out, I'm going to pull them sticks out, I'm going to shove that up in there. Yeah, this is crazy because I thought, here's my plan. You guys don't understand this. This is kind of futile, but God speaks to me this way. Last night I go, well, you little stinker. You got in there and killed another one. So I had already made this bait box to kill weasels that you put fresh liver in with blood. But it's so cold outside, it freezes that stuff, and he just walks right by it. He don't even smell it. I put the bait box in that two little inch, my trap, my good trap to get him. And I looked out there. This is how I know he got in there. I looked out, and I go, the bait box has moved. He moved my whole trap, my best trap that I built. He just moved it. In fact, he could probably get in there and have a great meal right now if he wants because the liver that I put on the big rat trap is probably frozen to the mechanism and it probably won't flap anyway, but he doesn't know it. I just laugh because God uses my own stupidity for good analogies. You can't do this on your own. You need to build a good foundation. So this, this summer, I'm going to build a whole new chicken house. And I got a plan. I prayed about it. I got a plan. I Googled it, actually. <laughs> I'm going to go out and put dirt down and put wire fence down and put grass seed down and let it grow up over this wire fence. And then I'm going to put, see, the foundation is the important thing. It's going to start with a good foundation. Then I'm going to build a chicken house on top of it and build that, push that fence up and it's, he can't get in. This perfect plan right here of salvation. Read the word. Get into the word, prayer, and fellowship. Oh, we're not done. We're not done. We're still going here. I have... Um, another text to go to. Matthew 12. No. Is that it? Yeah, Matthew 12. I am so sorry. I had so many places. This this is one of the issues when you, Matthew 12, one of the issues when you start to talk about, since everything's spiritual realm and everything's about the spirit, you can go a bunch of places to talk about it. But I have some specifics I want you to get to. And it's 1243, just two verses here. Very important that you bring your Bibles, that you read your Bibles, that you follow along with your Bibles, that you learn what your Bible says and learn to be familiar with it so that you can begin to allow the Spirit to lead you through the Bible and understand these things. That's how we grow. That's how we're washed. That's how we're cleansed. That's how we're renewed in the spirit of our mind, according to the Bible anyway. Look at 43, 1243 of Matthew. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, Listen, we're wanting a clean spirit now in us, a new creation. We had an unclean spirit. When the unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Now, we know what that spirit does when it leaves, huh? Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, put in order. 
Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. They make it their home. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. Now, why do I take you there? Because when you come to salvation, the old nature, the unclean spirit goes it's removed from you. You've been given a new life. You're a new creation. But that spirit is going to come back and check. And it's going to say, oh, all he did was put on a clean suit. All he did was swept the floor and he made it look nice. But on the inside, there's nothing there. So now I can go back in and make that my home again. And God says, you fool. That's, you're a wicked generation. You didn't clean up the inside. But God wants you to get into the word, prayer, and fellowship. Be sanctified and put his treasures in your heart. Put his treasures in your house to fill your heart up with the things of him. And you know what? When, the, when that wicked spirit comes back, what's he going to do? He's going to find a strong man on the throne of your heart living in your house and says, can't come in here. There's nothing more here. Oh, did I say anything about what that weasel was after? You know what he comes in and does? He eats the brain of the chicken and drinks its blood and leaves the body there. Now think about that in your life. If you're not renewing your mind, the devil comes to take your mind. That's all he does is eat your brain and drink your blood. And life is in the blood, the blood of Christ. And if you don't build from his foundation... You use your own plans. You follow lying spirits. You follow false prophets. Now listen, there's prophets today, but a prophet is a fourth teller of the word of God. In fact, what we're doing right now is I'm forth telling the word of God. I'm not making any of it up. I'm taking it straight out of the scriptures. I'm just forth telling what God has already said. What did the prophets of old do? They came and told people what God has already said. God comes to them and says, hey, Elijah, go tell the people. Everybody meet at Mount Carmel. I'm sick of these prophets of Baal, and we're going to have it out. Once and for all, we're going to tell them who is God. Either God is God or Baal is God, and he has the Mount Carmel victory where the only person who can really do anything is God anyway. He's all-powerful. Listen, all you do is foretell the Word of God. That's all you need to do is learn how to answer people. Learn how to share with people. Learn to have a relationship with God, and it'll be like a fire in your bosom. It'll have to get out. You'll have to tell somebody. I wake up my wife. She gets so mad at me. I'm like, honey, you wake? I am now. Oh, good, good, because I wanted to tell you. I was just studying. And she, you know, you don't know my wife. Some people, I wake up, and I'm like, I've been awake for three hours when I wake up because my mind never stops. She wakes up, and it takes her three hours to wake up. And I'm not being mean to her. We're just built differently. You may have that in your family. One is opposite of the other. It's normal. God, God does that on purpose so that you have to die to self to make the other one better. If you were both the same, you would both be in the same place all the time, and there'd be no death to make the relationship work. Now, take that marriage. Isn't that what's going on with God? He's always right. He's always clean. He's always pure. He's always enduring. He's always loving. He's always patient and kind and waiting. And we're like, get out of the way. I'll fix this. Put some stakes in the ground. We'll get rid of this weasel. And we try to figure out everything. And he's like, you want to do it my way or your way? How's your way working out? 
How's the inward parts there? You still thinking that same thing? You still chasing that same thing? Where's it going? I'll take care of it if you let me. And so when somebody dies, life can come somewhere else. Without death, there's no life. Jesus had to die. In the marriage, in the house, in the home, everywhere, somebody has to die. If there's friction going on, one of you people have to be wise enough to die. And you don't want to kill them and go to prison. So that doesn't work. That's physical. I'm talking spiritual. Because it's always an option, just not a good option. It's a very bad option. Did you see that? Are you filling your house up with... Well, how do I do that, Greg? We'll go over to Acts 17. Most of you, if you're Bible students, you knew I would get here eventually. Acts 17. Because you can't believe all the spirits. But God has sent out people that are teaching. But you know what? You don't need anybody to teach you. The Spirit of God will teach you. If you'll just get in the Word of God, He'll lead you and guide you through the Scriptures. He'll show you clearly how all this stuff happened in the Old Testament. Look at this in Acts 17, verse... uh, 12, well, verse 10, then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Notice that they didn't go to the pizza place. They got there and what was on their heart? Let's go tell some people about Jesus. They didn't go to the movie. They didn't check into the hotel. They didn't find a place to stay. The only thing that was on their mind is get to the synagogue. We got to tell some of these Jews about Jesus so that they will get saved. Why? Because Paul knew that the gospel was for the Jew first and then to the Greek. And he wasn't ashamed of it. He wanted to tell everybody about it. Immediately, they go straight into the synagogue. These the Bereans were more fair-minded, honorable than those in Thessalonica. Really? You, you expect? Thessalonica, they tried to kill him. They stoned him. <laughs> you, you think? <laughs> they were more honorable? And they received the word with all readiness. Are you, re- are you ready on Sunday morning? When you get sit down with God, are you ready to receive the word of God so he can wash and cleanse your soul? So it can change your mind and change your life and make you have evidence of new life. They were ready and they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women and men. But then somebody in Thessalonica found out that he was teaching in Berea and they came down there to chase him off. And that's what the spirit of the devil does. He wants to interrupt the teaching of the word of God. He wants to get you caught up on the physical and you say, well, I don't like it there no more. He was talking about me and we're going to go to another church. He wants to shoo you off someplace where you can chase some other spirit and you can have a gospel that pleases your flesh. It has a form of godliness, but it denies the power thereof. It changes its doctrines when it doesn't fit the culture. See, the gospel, since the beginning, when God created it, always been the standard. It's always the standard. It never changes. God is an unchanging God. The same truth that Paul was preaching and the same truth that Abel was preaching to Cain, his brother, is still the same truth, that there's life in God and there's life nowhere else in no other. And if you agree with God, that's what the word confess means, you agree with God, you can go with God. But if you disagree with God, 
you will begin to go astray and you will follow the spirit of this age, the spirit of the world. And I believe personally that you have to endure to the end. I know you say, well, the Bible says no one can. Listen, the Bible says many things and you need to take them all in context. And I believe that there is a perfect example. See, because these Bereans, they didn't have the New Testament that you and I have. The mystery made more clear by Paul and the Spirit of God leading them that we have now, that they understand the Old Testament didn't have that. So the Bereans were studying the Old Testament to make sure all the things that Paul said were true. They were studying the Old Testament. But today's progressive Christianity wants to jettison the Old Testament. It's the foundation that keeps the weasel out of the chicken house. It's the foundation. And if you go back in the Old Testament and you study the testimony of Saul, the first king, who was humble and he came to God and God gave him a new heart and he prophesied. He did many things. But you know what happened? He didn't let God change the inside. He ignored the inside of his life and he continued to live his life for himself. And God said, Saul, you can't do that. I'm going to reject you if you do that. And I'm paraphrasing. And then he came, 1 Samuel 14, I believe it is. And he says, I'm going to give Saul another chance. And he said, Saul, go kill all the Amalekites. Don't leave any of them alive. And here comes Samuel to speak to him, the prophet who has the word of God and brings the word of God. He says, what did you do? You were told by God to go do this and you've ignored it. He says, oh, no, no, we did it. But the people, they kept all the stuff. And he blames somebody else. See, that's sin nature. That's good old-fashioned sin nature. But my point is this, is that Saul prophesied. Saul had a new heart. And then what did God do? God took that spirit from him and gave him a wicked spirit that bothered him all the time. That's how David enters the picture. That's how he brings in David, the second king, the, the new king, the type of Christ, because David's playing this music to stop the distressing spirit from attacking Saul. And Saul was always trying to kill David. And you know what? That's just the spirit of this world is doing, trying to kill Christ, the king, in your life. He wants you to have your own plans. He wants you to follow his plan, his spirit. What spirit are you of? The Holy Spirit? Or are you being deceived by some other spirit, still following your old flesh? Very important to know today. It's okay to receive the rebukes from Christ and tell us you don't, you don't even know what spirit you are of. Because if you're wanting to become like the Holy Spirit, you need to know now that there's no evidence of it. You don't want to know it when you get to the throne room and find out you were of the spirit of Antichrist and been lied to all of your life when there was such a great gift being given of new life. So read your Bible. Draw near to God. Confess your sin. Ask the Holy Spirit to convict you, to rebuke you, to lead you, to teach you. And then obey. Not because you want to get saved, but because you are saved. 
because you believed in the blood of Jesus. Don't let the weasel suck the lifeblood of Jesus out of you and steal your brain. Have it renewed and prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Lord, we ask you to pour out your spirit upon us. Thank you for giving us power over unclean spirits that we can see the difference if we get into the pages of Scripture and we study what you've already revealed to us, we'll be able to see into the spiritual realm and know the liar when we see him. We'll be able to hear it in his tone, see it in his walk. We'll be able to discern truth from fiction, testimony from a story, life from death. And we'll be able to stand in the face of danger and suffering and pain. And having done all, we will stand, stand, having put on Christ Jesus. Pour out your spirit, Lord. Have your way with us. And we pray that you would send us into your field for your harvest for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I